0: Today, I am joined by writer and published author, Kern Carter. Kern is out to prove that the writers are the real superstars of pop culture. Kern has dreamed about being a superstar ever since he wrote his first book at eight years old. And now he has deals with some of the biggest publishers. So we're going to be talking to him about how he did it and his story. So, Kern, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: And thank you for having me. Um it's a pleasure. I'm I'm really excited about this actually.
0: Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, so I mean you said you said a good amount in your intro. I'm, um I'm an author, I'm a writer. Um I've been full-time writing for about a decade now. Um and I think for me like it's 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 really difficult for me to separate who I am from what I do, although I think that's important that you do that um but i really do feel like i am a writer that's part of my soul that's part of who i am I, like like you said in your intro i've been writing since i was 8 years old you know and i've been dreaming about the life i have now for a long time so um yeah you know i'm 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 someone who really enjoys what they do and i'm and i'm very blessed and fortunate to be able to do that and and make a living doing it so
0: well, tell us about that that first book that that you wrote at at eight years old, and and why you got started in writing, and and how was you dreaming about being a superstar at that age?
1: Yeah, great question. So the book was called "The Battle," um, and it was like think about the Lion King with like talking animals and stuff like that. Um, and it was just like kind of set in the forest and whatnot. So it was it was like totally you know, a, a children's book from, from the mind of a child at that time. But I think what the important thing was, is that, or the important thing was that I knew even then, like what what my passion was, you know, like I had a very, very, very good sense of awareness and knowing that not only was I passionate about this, but I was like really good at it, you know, and my, my teachers did a really good job early on of really kind of pushing me in that direction and celebrating me and, and letting me know that, Uh, that I was good at writing and when I say that writers are superstars um, and why I felt like a superstar is because as I kind of grew into my writing and I got older and and I got a little bit more mature and I and I started doing it a little bit more professionally and and then I started looking to culture and look and understanding um, what's happening and I I mean like pop culture not just like literary culture or, or art culture I mean just pop culture and realize how how writing has played such a key role in so many aspects of culture when you think about history when you think about entertainment when you do think about art when you think about news when you think like it goes on and on and on and writing is literally at the core of all of those things and writers are usually the ones that are in the background we're the ones that are that are chill we're the ones that are don't like the limelight and stuff like that but for me it's it's the the whole the whole kind of thought process and movement behind saying writers are superstars is really just that for us to kind of step out of the shadows and accept the fact that we are part of popular culture just because we're not celebrated in the same way as actors or musicians there is no acting or music without the writing first you know what i mean so i I think we have to also kind of just right when i say us i mean writers have to also just kind of be a little bit more bold and a little bit more forward in asserting ourselves and you know getting uh, or demanding the kind of um celebration that other artists get out that who are not writers and who I think are not as I don't want to say I don't want to compare and say they're not as valuable, but I think writers are equally or more valuable as far as their contributions.
0: And I think you're absolutely right. So, give us your definition of a full time writer a
1: full time writer is someone who makes Uh, a livable wage off of writing. Now, what that means today, at least in my case, um, is that I had to do multiple things at first, and I think that's important to know. So, yes, I am a published author, have amazing publishers. I'm with Scholastic and Penguin Random House, and I'm with an indie publisher named Cormoran, who's been incredible. But I think being a full-time writer, that's being a novelist. That's being an author being, that's just part of being a full-time writer. When you're a full-time writer, you have to figure out how to make money day to day, week to week, month to month. So what I did was made sure I got versatile. I was, I learned how to do copywriting, which means like I write to help. When I say copywriting, I just mean I, I write copy or write content to help persuade um an audience to either like buy something or try something or, or go somewhere um, we're trying to persuade an audience to do something so that's copywriting, but I also did a lot of ghostwriting. writing so ghostwriting writing is. You know, like i'm writing i'll write books for executives or i'll write books for people who have these incredible stories or you know that that want to tell their stories or I write books for people for people. So for like grandparents who want to make sure that their legacy lives on and they want to just write a book just for their family, they have no interest in selling it, but they want to be able to tell their full story. So being a full-time writer means you have to be good at multiple things uh, if you really want to survive. Or that's what that's that's the way I that's the path I took. The other path to being a full-time writer is being amazing at one thing. So you are an expert copywriter, and if you are an expert copywriter, you can make millions of dollars as a as a writer, millions. Um, and really good copywriters make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Just regularly good copywriters, like that's a very attainable goal is to make hundreds of thousands of dollars as a copywriter, um, especially if you get start narrowing it down and get more specific in your writing, like advertising copy or marketing copy, or, or like whatever you're doing, landing pages for people, like if you get into that game or you're very specific at what you or very expert at what you do um, whether that's copywriting whether that's ghostwriting whether that's marketing whatever if you can get expert at what you do then you could also make a lot of money doing that as well so and for me I, my path has been kind of spreading myself uh, wide at first and being broad because when it when I started figuring out or when I first started trying to figure out how to be a, uh, how to make money as a writer I this was in 2008 Right, the the information just wasn't as readily available as it is now. There was uh, Instagram didn't start till 2009, I believe. So imagine that this was pre-social media for for the most part. Only Facebook was kind of was present. Um, so I, I had to learn all these things on my own on the fly and figure it out. And so I spread kind of broadly across and did all those things that I mentioned: bro- uh, ghostwriting, copywriting, etc. But as I kind of advanced in my career and with the goal the initial goal or the consistent goal was always to be a full-time author knowing that but still taking this journey to get there because I had to I had to make money in my field right and being an author is a whole different conversation um I started though as as I went further and further along in my journey then I could start picking out the things that I actually enjoy oh I actually enjoy ghostwriting let me do focus more on that um there's some aspects of copywriting that I like but not really so like I'll do some but no I'm I'm going to ignore some of that, oh, I'm getting, I understand the author game now, so I self-published my first two books, built a readership, um, marketed them, sold a good amount, sold thousands of copies, so I sold a good amount of books. Um, So I understand like what that industry looked like and felt like now, okay, I can make money doing that now. Um, Moved on to traditional publishing, what do I need to do? Go get an agent, got an agent, um, learned to write, studied my craft more because I needed to get better at, at writing novels, Now now I signed three book deals over the last two years, right? So, like my my journey, although uh, I always wanted to be where I am today, it's it's a long, it's a path, it's a long journey. It was a long road to actually get here, and it's a road where, as a full time writer, you have to do a lot of different things. Or at least I had to do a lot of different things.
0: Do you feel like the public publishing industry will ever change? If so, how so?
1: Wow, that is a good question. Um, So I mean, the simple answer is that like, change is inevitable. So they're going to have to change in some way. Um, The thing with the publishing industry is that it's, it's still a very, I'm talking about book publishing very specifically, it's still a very physical industry. Physical books, hardcover, softcover books, outsell digital books by it's, it's not even comparable, like books sell more than digital books at this point right like that's that's where we are um right at, at right now so digital book the, the 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 digital side of of the publishing industry is is it's present but it's not as lucrative as a physical side still to this day like at last year 2022 i'm sorry 2021 we just sold the publishing industry just sold the most books it's ever sold in history like physical books, like not digital, physical books that ever sold in history. And I'm saying that to say that um, if, if something is working, why would they change? Like nothing will force, nothing is forcing their hand, right? Their industry is still the same as it was 150 years ago, 200 years ago. Like they're still selling the same product. So they don't feel like they have to change, right? But so um, what I was saying about uh, the publishing industry is that they don't feel because, because they're still heavily physical they don't feel they have to change but with audio becoming what it is and with podcasting and uh, and audiobooks starting to blur like what is the difference between a podcast and an audiobook like that that line is starting to blur i think that will start leading them to change the way the industry is from like uh, the way it kind of functions and operates and delivers its product i think that's the only thing that will make it change because if it's not Monetary, it's not gonna force them to change. They don't, the industry's not gonna care. Now, from a uh, from, uh, uh, social perspective, uh, I mean, the, the, the stats just came out today, not today, sorry, just came out recently again, and, and the industry is still largely largely um, white, you know? It's still, it's still 70, 80%, not even, so. it's like 80% white still, right? Um, so I think, but I would be lying though, And when I say 80%, what I mean, the, the, in the, like the editors, the, the, the managers, all the, the publishers, like the people working inside the industry, um, is, is 80% white. So, but I would also say that, that in the last couple of years, I have noticed that there has been, um, at least an effort to, to, uh, open the, the industry up to more of diverse voices. And I've seen agents and editors say, Hey, I will read I will read your first 15 pages, but only for BIPOC, only for BIPOC folks, or um, I'm accepting submissions. If I'm an agent, an editor, I'm accepting submissions. I'm specifically looking for uh, these stories from indigenous women or something like that. So I've seen much more of that. Now, how much of that is like national or international or global and is really penetrating the industry? I wouldn't have, um, I, I mean, I, I think it again it's it's slow but it's happening but I don't know how much it's actually changed in the last 5 years let's say um how where do I think it's going I'm hoping that it just keeps going cuz I, 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 the stories just get more interesting if they're more diverse I think that's just like a a very basic kind of premise like if the if you give different people opportunities other than the people who have already have who already have opportunities then you're going to get a different outcome and I think uh, where the publishing industry, industry was really afraid was that they, for a long time, and even still to this day, possibly, their main target was always, like, um, a 50-year-old a, a white woman, right? Like, that's who they think is their main reader. That's who they thought for a long time was their main reader. So if anything deviated from that readership, um, or from that ideal reader, then they were a bit nervous about those things. Um, so they would do stuff or they wouldn't do stuff like put a black person on the cover of a book because they think the book will sell less, right? Stuff like that. Now, again, those things in my what from what I've seen have changed. Like the the cover from my upcoming book coming out um, called And Then There Was Us is going to have a black girl on the cover. Um, I've seen other books do sell well with black with black women and men on the cover. So or boys on the cover. Like it's 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 changing, but again, unless there's monetary reasons for for the publishing industry to change I don't see like a dramatic shift happening except with the pu- with the caveat being that I think audio has a chance to disrupt it in a way that I can't exactly see yet but I feel like it's the only it's such a differentiated experience in reading a book um that I think it might actually it might actually shake the industry up a little bit
0: Well, tell us about your books. Tell us uh, what readers can expect when they read them, and where we can get them from.
1: Well, I'll start. I'm going to start in order. I'm going to start with Thoughts of a Fractured Soul because that's my first book, and it's my baby, and it's the one I love the most. Just, just because. Um, And that one is because it was my first book. It's actually a novella. It was very much kind of based on my life at the time. Like you know, the story is about a a young boy who has a kid uh, when he's a teenager. And like all the dreams and ambitions that he's had, he kind of sees those slipping away from him. And how does he deal with it? And the story does not have a happy ending. I'll, I'll kind of spoil it like that. But um, it does, also doesn't have a sad ending. It just has like an ending. And I think that one was a really powerful story for me. And because I, I had to, I was forced myself to be creative. I, I told the book, and it's called Thoughts of a Fractured Soul because I told, excuse me, I tell the book in literally like thoughts. There are these, Two paragraph or three par- paragraph blurbs that feel random. The book is not in, in any kind of linear order. You have to literally piece the stories together to get the full, to understand the full book or the full story. Um, so it's, it's written in thoughts. And I, and I really, really f- feel like it's one of my more creative books. So that's Thoughts of a Fractured Soul. Um, the next book I wrote was Beauty Scars. And I, this is another self-published book. And Beauty Scars is essentially it's a love story. I, I mean, that's the simplest way to put it. But these two teenagers who, who lived on different sides. One one came from a small, a very small town north of uh, the province I live in in Ontario, and then um, the other, the the boy character came from the from the city of Toronto. So it was kind of like a love story about how they met up, and then, you know, they're they're actually dreaming about each other first, then they met up, and then they. You know, they became, they, they they kind of fall in love. And I tell that story. I mean, it's also, too, the, the sub kind of subplot of that story is it's like a love story to Toronto as well because I really kind of dig into the way the city is and and how the story, how the city can be beautiful, but it also has some parts of it that are very scarred um, and that can leave you scarred. So that's why the story is actually called Beauty Scars. And then the book that's out right now um, is a book I'm probably most proud of because it's a book that I had to deviate at, deviates a wrong word, We have to like imagine the most. So it's 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 a book that is furthest from my life. It, it, the, the first two books there, the first book was definitely like Thoughts of a Fractured Soul was like a lot close, really close to my life. Beauty Scars was more from observation as things that I saw happening in the city. Um, but Boys and Girls Screaming, my book that's out now, is really just imagination. Like it's just a story I imagined and thought would be really cool to tell. And it's about a group of teenagers who have all suffered trauma in some kind of way. And to help themselves heal, they form a healing group and they name the healing group Boys and Girls Screaming. And they all meet in real life once a week and they talk through their problems. Like one person takes a turn and they talk through their problems um, and they try to solve it on their own. No adults, no parents, no teachers, nothing, just just the kids. And you know it's really just a commentary on, on mental health a commentary on um, accountability, a commentary on uh, connection and community, you know, like what it really means to have community and be validated by the people who are really in your lives and kind of avoiding the validation of uh, social media, like avoiding the need for the validation of, on social media um, and really focusing on the people who mean the most to you and the people who are in your life. So Boys and Girls Screaming is just like, it's not as surprise as my first published book. It's a book that I wrote, the best. Um, it's a book that I feel like has the most broad appeal as far as like an audience has the most commercial appeal. It's something that everyone can get into. And it's a, it's a young adult book by, by genre only because the characters are young, but the story itself and the um, concepts and the stories are very layered and very mature. So there's a there's a very surface story you could read and you you'll you'll enjoy it it's fun it goes up and down the ending is 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 crazy um but then when you start peeling it back there's so many layers that you could dive into you know like the I'll give a quick example like the, the the one of the main characters her name is Candace and that's who the main voice of the story is is told through Candace's eyes um Candace is actually a a, a black girl who's adopted by a wealthy white family um and and her experience from childhood from age five on is 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 through that lens. Uh, you know, and so and then the the other, her her best friend, her name is ever, and she also comes from a wealthy family, but and she's a mixed, she's a, a mixed girl. So it's it's just there's a lot of layers to the story. Um that, that I find really, really exciting for people, I think, and interesting once you start peeling it back. And you can get all those books on Amazon or you can just go to my website, kerncarter.com. Everything is there. So that's that's the best way to get in touch or to see all my work.
0: Describe your definition of success.
1: I would say it's my personal definition of I'm going to define my success. My personal definition of success for me is when I am um, a full-time novelist, when I have built up enough of a readership where I can survive only on the sales of my book. That for me is my very, very personal definition of success. And the reason I kind of frame it like that is because I believe everyone should define their success like that. Make it very, very, very personal, you know? So, from a professional perspective, like that's it for me. I want to wake up, write books and have, have an audience ready to, to, to read it and buy it. That's, that's success for me from a, from a, um, but that's a professional level. And then from just like a personal level now, like I, I really, really focus on trying to make good decisions and be a good person. You know, I have, I have a, a daughter now who's 20. I, again, I had her when I was young. I have a daughter now who's 20. And to me, it's like, it's really important that you know that it's okay to try to be a good person. Like you see all these examples of people like misbehaving all the time on social media and getting rewarded for it um, with views and likes and, and clout. But in this household, like it's, it's really important that we make good decisions and we be good people and be good to each other and be good to the people in our lives. That's important. And I wanna be a reflection of that. I wanna be a leader um, in that world. Um, so yeah, for, for me, that's also a huge part of success. And then the, the last part I'd say is that, uh, I'm also, uh, I have a, a media company called Cry. And what we do is just, we really speak to emerging writers and help them share their stories. And, and we do that from the lens of empathy, like film, I, our, our slogan is vulnerability, vulner, creativity and vulnerability. And what that means is just like, like really accepting the fact that writing in any art is an emotional undertaking. And that's fine, like we should accept that rather than pushing that to the side. We should accept that and figure out how to how to move forward, knowing that you're giving up a piece of yourself every time you write or every time you put your art into the world. And how do you deal with that? And how how do you, how do your stories reflect that? And how do you kind of move on past that or through that because you don't want to get past it? But how do you move through that? So um, I think that's been amazing to see the community that we built that is, is is incredible. So for me. All those three things is is equal to my personal success.
0: Do you have any current or upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about?
1: Yeah, my two books coming out next year. I saw book deals are interesting in that you sign them, like like I signed my book deals in 2022, and and my books don't come out till 2024. So, um, my next two books out. Um, uh, one is called. Uh, and then there was us and that's the one that with that's with uh, penguin random house and then the other one is called is there a boy like me and that one is with scholastic comes out spring and fall of 2024 so watch out for that and then also again i mentioned the cry the cry community in my media my media company um we have a course coming out a writing course coming out um in february so that's really exciting it's, it's, it's our first course um, and that's speaking to emerging writers, but it's speaking from the from the emotional lens. Like, how do you deal with the emotions of being a writer? Um, that's that's really crucial, crucial for us. So, yeah, those two things for sure are, are the most important things.
0: And he can be found at kernquarter.com. Close us out with some final thoughts, maybe something I forgot to touch on that you would like to talk about. or Just any final thoughts or words you have for the listeners?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I would say just like really define your own path, you know, like I, I just told you how my path went and I'm very um, deliberate in saying that this is my story and this is, this is the path that I chose or this is the way that it went for me because I think you need to define your own path. So like listen to what I said, pull pieces of it that make sense for you, but then take that and adapt it to your own life and make your own decision and follow your own path because success is different for everybody, everybody, you know, you could do exactly what I did and come up with a totally different outcome. So follow your own, follow your own heart, define yourself and define success for yourself. And, and don't let anybody kind of control that for you is what I would say.
0: Well said, ladies and gentlemen, currentquarter.com. Please be sure to follow, rate, review, share this episode to any aspiring writers you might know. Share this episode to as many people as possible. If you enjoy this show, please be sure to tell a friend. You have any feedback? Hit me up cjackson102 at cox.net. Kern, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Curtis. It's been a pleasure.